Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to this week's episode of Outside the Sheds. I am your host, your Shed Adamus, your voice of reason, your Lex Luthor with a little bit of a natural tan. I'm your host, Corey Jackson. Great to have you here this week, Shedheads. And I hope you had an incredible week. I hope you got to take in round 19 festivities. I I hope that the bets that you laid down parlayed into some major winnings. Because I did my part. We went six for eight. We produced as we have been. We're, we're coming into the home stretch. We remember last year's playoffs. We remember last year's playoffs when I think, what did I say I hit at? A 67 to 72% range on my picks. This isn't a gambling show. I just like to talk about winning. And right now we're winners. But let's get into these this round 19 layout of what happened in the NRL uh, and do some discussions of last week's events, uh, and let's push forward into this coming week, which I'm very, very excited about. I know everybody's been listening and hearing about the upcoming Saturday night tussle between the, the, excuse me, the grand final rematch, Panthers versus Storm, Uh, and if you guys really think the Panthers even have a chance in that game, but we can't go there until we finish and put a bow on what we completed. So, let's go over these games really quick. Uh, we started off the Raiders beating the Eels 12-10. to I tell you, that game had a real playoff feel to it. Um, I will say that, you know, it's, it's tough to gauge because without Mitchell Moses, you know, what, what are the Eels going to be? I think, you know, you never want to say that one player is going to make or break your season, but I think we see with the Panthers and Nathan Cleary being down at the current moment with his injury, uh, one player can make that much of a difference. And Mitchell Moses is the conductor uh, of that symphony. He kicks to touch. He kicks to move the ball around. He controls the pace of play. And I think that was shown. Because if you think about it, 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 it do you really not think that Mitchell Moses is, is, is worthy of three to six points if he's in the lineup for the Eels? And I think that's the thing that really makes you it, it, it was a great win by the Raiders, and you have to say that Ricky is getting the green machine rolling. I'm saying they're starting to get a little bit of, those tires are getting warmed up. They're starting to stick to the track a little bit, a little bit more handling, and the Raiders are going to Raider. But can you really put a fork in the eels with that type of a loss without Mitchell Moses? And you just want Mitchell Moses to come back healthy, and so he's ready for the playoffs. Roosters 28, Knights 8. Was it even that close? The the Knights have some real problems. And I and I don't want to say that just without Mitchell Pierce being the the voice of reason and that spine, that that's gonna be make that excuse me, that that's gonna make that much of a difference. But something's gotta be going on there. Because KP Kalen Pong is back there. You know, he's running off the field, the sternum issue. You know, all these guys are banged up at this time. They're all feeling the the nicks and the niggles of the season. But does Mitchell Pierce really mean that much to the club? And I think you have to say that, that he does. 
And it's got to scare you. I know there's some big moves that are going up uh, up there in in the Hunter. And that, that I guess you could say Knights fans could be excited for the 2022 season with some of these moves. But there's also rumblings now that the Bulldogs are, are looking to try to bring Mitchell Pierce to be in the halves with Matt Burton for next season. And looking at maybe going after him November 1st. So as, as excited or as positive vibes as you can possibly have for the, how the season's going, that brings you back down to earth thinking, oh, really? So I don't know what the Knights are going to do. I, I don't know. You know, I said a few weeks ago they looked so good when he came back that I thought they could make a push for the eight. I think that's a done deal. That's not happening. Um, but anyway, and the Roosters, you know, we really don't know how good the Roosters are. Uh, again, I think we know that they're a top a top side, but the beatdown they did with the Knights don't re- doesn't really show uh, really what they are and what they can do. Storm 20, Cowboys 16. Todd Payton got his boys up, but uh, again, a, the Storm, bellyaches boys, find a way to come over the top and get that victory. We'll talk about that one a little bit more. Rabbitohs 60, Warriors 22. That the, the dreadful Warriors season continues, and now it's just not the amount the amount of bad play that's on the field. It's now the matter of they can't they almost can't field a roster of healthy enough players. The unfortunate luck that has fallen upon the New Zealand Warriors is is almost it's almost sad to see what's happened to them and the Roosters this year. Thank God the Roosters are just so deep that they can keep plugging pieces in, and they've got Robbo there, and we all of us will admit that Robbo's a top three coach, maybe not even, maybe even a top two coach, but um, I, it's just, you know, you can't. You just can't take that amount of injury and continue to stay relevant almost in the NRL now. Not the way the game moves, not the way that you can't slow down the ruck and slow down play. It just, it's just kind of when a beating is starting to happen, you just kind of have to curl up in the fetal position and take your licks. And that's kind of what the Warriors are doing right now. So that was a really a sad, sad result there. But the Rapidos are going to do what the Rapidos are going to do. They're, they're one of the best teams when a team shows weakness that they're going to capitalize and they're going to come over the top of them. Sea Eagles 44, Tigers 24. The Tigers had a good first half, but that's the problem. They always show bits and pieces of being competitive, um, showing that they deserve, they belong. I know they were coming and they're coming off a lot of momentum about beating. What did I tell you guys last week? They did only beat the Broncos. And no matter how much we love Kevy here and outside the sheds, the Broncos are still struggling. The Broncos are trying to find the Habs. I can't, listen, I don't care how bad the Broncos are right now. Tyson Gamble is one of my favorite players in the, in the, in the, in the competition. That guy gives heart. Every week. And you know he wanted to get that victory against the Tigers uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but that being said, the Tigers showed some... They just don't have the the mental strength. When, when something bad goes against them, it usually goes to one thing, then two things, then three things, and then they're, they're just underwater and they're not coming back up for air. And the Sea Eagles toyed around with them, played... Did a little bit of, of, of tug of back and forth. And in the end, there's just too much strike for the Sea Eagles. And DCE, 
Uh, we saw Kieran Foran is really kind of rounding into form. I'm saying this, I think this is the longest and the latest in the season we've seen Kieran Foran in a few seasons without injury. Knock on wood, because I don't want that to happen to Kieran again for the rest of his career. But uh, you really have to think that Manly is a threat. They could be that number five team that's sitting right, si- right outside of the top four that could do some real damage uh, later on. And something we're going to see in a matter of weeks. Panthers 18, Broncos 12, going back to Tyson Gamble, like I just said, the heart the Broncos showed. And really, I don't want to say the faultiness or the fault line being a little shaky for the Penrith Panthers, but that's not what we've typically seen with Penrith. Um, they they just did not seem like the team that was just going to roll over the Broncos. And now you're starting to see, and like I said, you can say a team looks like there's no one who's going to beat them, but a few injuries start creeping in, and now you start questioning, well, do they have enough? We really don't know how healthy Clitter is going to be when he comes back. He's not coming back this week, so they're not going to have him in the halves. For some reason, reason, uh, Coach Clitter, he doesn't want to play Burton and Jerome Luai in the halves. You need to get Tyrone May out of there. If you want real strike, he's got to play Burton and, and Luai in the halves against the Storm. You just have to. I'm saying that team, the, that pairing did some good things last year, and I think that they, that's to me, that's the only chance they have against the Storm uh, this weekend. But they just looked shaky. And don't, and we got to remember, Jerome Luai is probably still carrying injury. He's not 100% right now. He didn't look... He really didn't look like the Jerome Luai that we have been uh, accustomed to seeing recently, going into Origin, playing the first couple games of Origin. Uh, so, you know, you just you just kind of worry. You really, really worry about what the Panthers are going to do. And in a season that started so strong where they look like no one could keep up with them, um, do they hold on to the top two spot? You know, I, I think that there's a still a lot up in the air. And I think that the Panthers need this victory on Saturday, way more than the Storm do. Titans 32, Dragons 10. We're going to get into more detail about this match, but it was good to see uh, the Gold Coast actually showing that they might really want to come up for air and and play some finals football. I said they were going to play finals football to start the season. I hope they don't make the shed, your shed Adamas look uh, idiotic with that pick, but they've got enough strike. They've got enough ball playing. They've got enough... I, I think that they can be there, but they're going to have to play fundamentally sound footy from now until the end, until the finals begin for them to even make it in. So, but it was good to see. And then you have to look on the other side, the Dragons. Um, the barbecue fiasco continues. I, 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 I don't even know what to say about them. Um, they put Cody Ramsey in the centers. Cody Ramsey needs to eat about 300 milkshakes and and protein shakes to get the size to be playing in the centers. I'm saying David Fita ragdolled him. He was rolling, running over him, and you felt horrible for Cody Ramsey. But again, you know, it's I think they're in real trouble, the Dragons. And for a season that started out so well for them and made a lot of people question their, their preseason picks, they may live up to those preseason picks because they could drop like a rock. They have a tough road home for the St. George Illawarra Dragons. And then the final match of the round, Sharks 44, Bulldogs 24. That's where we're going to uh, get one of our starts when we do this recap. 
Uh, great victory for the Sharks. Uh, they had a great first half. But again, uh, they kind of make you worry because the Dogs easily won the second half of that match. And I guess you can see why because of the things that happened in the first half, which we're going to talk about. So that was the scores. We went six for eight. I, I fumbled by doing something I won't do again for the rest of the season. I picked the Dragons to beat the Titans. And I thought the Bulldogs were going to upset the Sharkies. And for some reason, Sean Johnson in the first half played like the Sean Johnson we've been looking for all year. And again, we'll get back a little bit more in depth with this game here shortly. Now, I want to start by with the recap of talking about David Fafita. Um, he got benched to start the game. He didn't start on the field. He started with a nice piece of plastic to sit on as he, as he rode the bench. And Justin Holbrook needed something to motivate his star player. And holding that raging bull, sorry, Gordy, I, I'm not taking away your, your, your moniker or your handle, but to hold back that young buck on the sideline to let him get fired up you know, put put some pregame workout into his system. He came off the bench a demolishing force. He he ended up finishing with a try in 160 running meters. And the win puts now the Titans within one win of the pack battling for the for the bot for the bottom eight or the or the eight, I guess we can say. I should say the bottom four. So it gives them hope. But again, you know, and I think the one thing as, as, as an American over here watching the game, we have our college system, right? We have our college football, our college baseball, our college this, our college that. Well, we're all learning that college isn't college anymore. These guys are making, they're, they're going to start making money and it's just becoming an, amateurism. Um, that's not going to be the case anymore. These guys are going to be semi-pro athletes. But the problem I see with the NRL and the AFL is that you have a lot of young guys that get into the competition with grown men. You get a lot of 18 and 19 year olds. And, I, and I'm going to tell you something. If you're, two, you're 19 years old. You're still two years from legally drinking over here in America, right? So the reason they have 21 being the age for you to drink is because allegedly your brain is going to get a little bit smarter and bigger, right? So you're not thinking I can shotgun 12 beers in a row and still think I can, you know, run a marathon or take a test. So a lot of these young guys, David Fafita, some of them, they're still young. They make bad, horrible decisions. And to keep their focus, like we talk about this younger generation, is not the easiest. I'm saying their phone is their best friend. And to keep them dialed in, it is not the generation before. I'm saying it's not even the Benji Marshall generation 16 years ago, 2005, whatever. So I think you're going to see David Fafita, we all know this, get way better as long as he stays healthy. But I think we see the player that he can be and we see glimpses of that. And if we can just get him dialed in for the remainder of the season, the, the, the Titans have a good chance of finishing the top eight and making me look good. And we need this. But at the same time, are you really going to fault the young guy if, if he falls off? Yes, he's making big money. Yes, he's seen as being the future of the, of the organization. But you can't change his age. You can't change his immaturity at times. So it's going to be interesting to see 
what happens, how Holbrook keeps him focused, if he keeps bringing him off the bench, or does he let him start this coming week after showing what he can do? But great victory. I know Justin Holbrook, it was good to see his face stay the, the, the same color all the way through a match and not get uh, tomato red and then go back down and then back to tomato red. So uh, great victory, and, and it probably helped his blood pressure. Now, next I want to talk about the Sharks. And this game was a little bit gut-wrenching in some ways because um, the Sharks did beat the Dogs. We saw that. And, and on the scoreboard, it wasn't even close. Um, but the big story coming out of that match is Sean Johnson's injury. And it's almost the exact same week that he got injured with his Achilles last year. And I and I don't know what Sean does. I, I you know I don't I don't work out for, you know work out with Sean in the off season. I don't record videos of Sean doing squats or or lunges or or sprinting or I, I don't do any of that. But the only thing I can say is that Sean Johnson in the second half of the season's body breaks down a lot, and he's becoming that high performance sports car that you just can't run out week in and week out. You just have to take it out once or twice on the weekend. For one, you can't afford the gas anyway almost to drive it, right? But it's really sad because when that guy is firing, he's one of the best players the competition has seen, right? That first half, he started to look like the Sean Johnson of old, except for one thing. I am I can't I can't describe to you shedheads how much I miss seeing explosive Sean Johnson doing the steps like Roger like RTS, Roger Tuvasa Shek. You know, that, that, that right foot dummy and, and then pushing off and going. That acceleration, that speed. I'm talking top flight, jet engine, jet car, sports car, jet plane, whatever you want to say, elite. Straight up elite. And we don't get that now. You know, he's now turned into a Benji Marshall, but just six years younger, where he's kicking to get repeat sets. And he's controlling the ball through passing and... Even without the running, he still looked like, as Braith and Nazareth would say, Magic Johnson. He looked good. And you started to go, wow, okay, all right. Let's go, Sean. Let's go. And then he gets injured. And he gets injured setting up a big play that we don't even know he's injured because the play is way downfield, right? And then we see him grabbing at the back of the leg. And we, we, we fear for the worst. And I, and I knew instantly, I knew instantly, Shedheads, that we'd lost him for a while. And it's, and it's true. It comes out. We've lost Sean Johnson four to eight weeks now with that hamstring injury. Now, Matt Moylan is back this week for the Sharks. Some people will say that's not much of a drop-off. I say it's a huge drop-off because Matt Moylan also has faulty legs, which, you know, he's one bad step away from hurting his hamstring. So I myself, let's go, Trindle in the halves. I think he's ready by every means. But I think it's time for us to see some of the, some of the young blood it has and, and, and see where they take us. Because that is the future of Cronulla. You know, besides Nico Hines, I think we'll see Nico Hines in there next year. Maybe we're going to have a Nico Hines-Trindle uh, halves pairing in the spine. But the Sharks... It's going to be interesting to see how they play this Habs, this spine. And, you know, Bubba's going to be back there at fullback. But what they do and how they do it. But they've got the strike to, to be there. 
The question is, can they finish? And the problem with the problem is since 2016, when they turn the lights off and break the nasty, excuse me, and um, oh, oh my gosh, Ennis the Menace has taken selfies of himself with the football. We haven't seen that strike and that finish late. So going to be very, very interesting. Now, both the Storm and the Panthers, man, they got wins this weekend, which we talked about. But, you know, they got pushed. And I think I think we all know what that is, and I'm going to say it. The lack of strike comes from the injuries. You know, you can't, you know, and resting players and coming out of origin. Are you asking me, am I worried about either one of those clubs right there, the Panthers, you know, or the Storm? Because of those, I'm not. I'm not. Now, I definitely am not for the Storm. I guess you could say with the Panthers, you can worry just a little bit because I just don't know what Nathan Cleary is going to be like when he comes back fully. But I think both teams are going to be fine. Both teams are definitely playing finals ball, and both teams will probably finish in the top four. But I am really intrigued about this matchup coming up this weekend. Um, I think that Ivan Cleary's got to have the Panthers frothing at the mouth. They've got to play mean, aggressive footy and get right in the face of the storm. Because if they don't do that, you know, Munster's back, the Fox, I, I think that they are in trouble. But if they come out with that grit, and, you know, that's another week of Jerome Luai healing up. But I think there's a, you know, we haven't even talked about that. And I apologize, Shedheads. We haven't even mentioned that Brian Tao is out now. I think they're saying six weeks. That's huge. I'm saying, besides making some of the best videos on Instagram and dancing uh, like he's getting ready for Star Search, excuse me, Star Search from back in the day, that's now called American Idols for you young shedheads. Um, or or Australia's Got Talent, America's Got Talent. You know all those 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 great shows I don't watch. But Brian Tyler is going to be a huge, huge, huge loss going forward for the Panthers. Uh, he's one of the most sound players they have, and he performs week in and week out. So, yeah, the Panthers have definitely a lot more to worry about than the Storm. And I think that's something we're going to have to see. But for this weekend, they better be mean, they better be nasty, they better be aggressive from the start, or the Storm will run over the top of them. Now, let's go into the 40-20. We had some pretty big stories, pretty big stories. Uh, matter of fact, one of the stories I just got in seeing... Uh, another follow-up about, but Roger Tuvasashek has ended his career early with the Warriors and is going back to New Zealand. Now, that says a couple things. One, it says that it's a sad, sad day for Rugby League. It's a sad day because we've lost one of the greatest stars our competition has seen for years. No matter if he was back at the, at the Chooks or playing with the Warriors, the guy is an incredible player, golden boot winner. That is one thing it says, that we lost a star to Union. But he's a New Zealand boy. One of his biggest dreams in life is to put on that All Blacks jersey. And if you know anything about rugby, now that's no matter if we're talking about Union or League, that, that All Blacks jersey is the top of the heap. It just is. 
It is it is it is the 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 pinnacle of the sport of 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 great pride. There are people that don't don't know anything about rugby union or league that know what that that logo and what that team represents. So, do I understand him definitely wanting to get that? But that doesn't mean that I can't be sad to see him leave because he is going to be a huge huge void missing in the competition. And as we hear uh, that is also now why they're making a big push now. The Warriors about trying to offer a million dollar contract a season to Joseph Manu to bring him over from the from the Roosters. I do not see Nick Politis letting that go down too easily. They are going to, how, how does Under Armour say? They're going to try to defend the house to keep that guy inside. But it's going to be interesting because there will be a pull for Joseph Manu to go back home. And try to bring the Warriors, I guess, into in, in into the upper echelon of the league. Hell, it doesn't even have to be upper echelon. Just into the top eight and the guy's going to be seen as a winner, right? A hero. But what I saw today as, as RTS left the hotel and was met out in the, in the parking lot uh, by the Warriors... And they gave him the traditional haka send-off. It was very emotional. I get very emotional when I see that. I know what that, what that represents. I know the passion behind that. And I know what it means to those young men uh, when they are honored with that. So it's tough. It's tough to see that. It's, he's going to be missed. I, I loved watching the guy play. I'm happy I got to see him play live before. Um, but good luck to, to Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Um, and congratulations on the chance of going home to be with your family in your home country. Now, talking about the up and up and some of the positives out of rugby league, oh, bellyache. You know how much, Shedheads, I love Craig Bellamy. I could just, I, it would be tough for me. If we had a split screen and on one side of the screen we had the match and on the other side of the screen was bellyache, just the camera on him nonstop in the box as the game is going on. I don't know which one I'm watching more because I probably could tell what's going on on the field by just watching Bellyache, right? Bell- Craig Bellamy is the best coach in the competition. He's got a platform. He's got a way of doing things. He's got a, a system that when players come in as also players, what he turns them into. Look at Curtis Scott. Look at Curtis Scott. Since he left Melbourne, he, he's gotten into trouble. He has, he's gotten into trouble. He has uh, not played up to the potential they think that he has. Uh, he's just, he's been struggling. And I think that that is a bad, bad sign. For him, but also it also is a good sign to show what Bellyate can actually bring to the table for you know players that play in the Melbourne system. So as I as I record this, I have to let you guys know into a little bit of what's going on here. Uh, it, at as I record uh, this episode of Outside the Sheds, my little wingman, uh, my cat Zeke, who usually sits up here as I'm recording, just decided to break my concentration 
by having an exorcism of a hairball right next to me. So that is why I looked like I was off there for a second, Shedheads. And now he's looking at his kill or whatever the heck I've got to take care of now. But uh, anyway, back to the game. So, you know, Belly, Bellamy is really special. And he's been rewarded as being special because he's now signed a five-year deal with the Storm. So he shot down all chances of coming back to the Sharks. He is staying with Melbourne, which is huge because I know that he's got a daughter back in Queensland that is getting ready to have a child. Uh, and I know family means a lot to, 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 to Bellyache. Uh, but he signed a five-year deal, which starts in 2022. He's going to coach the 2022 season. And then I think after that is up in the air of what he does. If he stays on and, and continues to coach, he loves this team that he's with now. He loves the chemistry. He loves what they bring. He just loves it, you know. Yes, he's losing the Fox next year, but he's bringing in Nick Meany. And I'm very excited to see what a what, what Nick Meany does with Bellyache's tutelage. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Fascinating. But as a Storm person, as a Storm fan, you've got to be through the roof. You've got to be excited. You've got to be beyond excited because now you know, not just this year, but next year, your team is going to be in the running to win further championships. Now, let's talk about the downside of the game. Happy Curacao, James Roberts. More COVID breaches. We find out that Appy did it back during Origin. And you can see how tight the Origin squad was. That, that word of that didn't get out until weeks later. And now James Roberts for the Tigers. We all know, if you follow the game and the players... That James Roberts is a troubled individual at times. And, and it has come out that he's had some mental issues, some situations of mental uh, mental health problem. And he's he's gone out and seek, you know, sought counseling, and, and that's been great to see. Um, I there's been talk about him having a little bit of a drinking problem at times, but a lot of times that happens if you've got a little bit of a mental hang up or a mental problem or a mental situation that you're working on. I think a lot of people have had this. I think COVID has helped bring out a lot of this. And you and I think it's also shown when people can't spend a lot of time together, it can have lasting effect on people. Me, I have no problem with iStation Zebra. I can sit up and talk to you guys once a week. I've got uh, my, my, my lovely home, uh, my great Zeke who you just heard uh, having a hairball, uh, and, and my lovely, lovely... Uh, wife who I get to spend my life with. And I don't talk about her much, but she's a rock star. But James Roberts, James Roberts uh, said that he had to get out on his balcony. And right now it's been, been very tough for these players who are in quarantine uh, up in Queensland trying to continue this season. And they're now having to lock the doors and having to tape up uh, doors and, and not being able to go outside as they continue to compete, you know, com complete their quarantine. And the thing that these athletes are going through in Australia to continue to keep the competition going, I don't think American athletes could, could do it. And I don't think that they would want to do it or try to do it. 
So to say that I am so proud of the leagues that I follow from the NRL to the AFL and the sacrifices that these athletes are doing to continue the competition going, I cannot stress enough how much it means to me and how much the sacrifice they're going through is heard and felt but appreciated. But when you have a guy like James Roberts that has a little bit of a situation, he has some issues, you know, are we doing enough to look out for these guys as well that 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 might have that that isolation feeling and and you don't want to leave those guys alone to those thoughts sometimes by themselves. So that's a really that's a really dangerous but also a a, a roller coaster situation. Um, and I don't know if there's a true answer for it. I really don't. You know, Appy Appy seems like he did it just to see the other sex, to see the opposite sex. But, you know, I I understand that as well. But, again, um, we won't get into that in too much detail. I think, App, how do we say that? Appy's going to Appy? Well, Appy might have played his last game as a Blues, too. So, that might have cost him there as well. Uh, now, I was kind of talking about Curtis Scott a little bit earlier when I was talking with Bellyache signing. And now news is breaking that the West Tigers might be circling Curtis Scott to come in late in the season to add a little bolster to their strike. He's out of favor with the Raiders. I think I think Ricky's done with him. But this is also a guy that has been in trouble with the law, even though he got that exonerated, and now been in trouble for getting into something that happened at a bar. He can't get out of his own way to an extent. And no matter if he, you know, got proven that the that the police did him wrong with that first case that he ran into problem with. Let's remember something. He still was in the situation and it put himself in a situation that if he was at home or not causing a little bit of a disturbance, nothing like that would have happened to him, right? So is that really a guy that you want to bring in to the West Tigers right now? A, a, a team that no one wants to sign with, I'm just waiting for the news to come down that Jackson Hastings is saying, eh, maybe not yet. Maybe I'm good over here in England. But, I, 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 you know, they've lost out on almost every big signing. I think Dane Laurie fell into their lap. He just wanted to play. And he's been the shining, you know, the shining light of this season for the West Tigers. So I don't really know if Curtis Scott is a guy you really want to bring into a club that you can't find out if they've got heart or not. And his Madge would say, I need men. Well, really? Are you not causing yourself more problems in the future? That's what I ask on that situation. The other side is a guy that's a straight up, a straight shooter, meaning he has not had problems. But on the other hand, Dale Copley is set to join the Roosters after an early release from, from the Broncos. Now, that will be a key signing in my eyes. You know, Copley's been there before. He's been a chook before. He knows what it takes to be a chook. He knows what it takes to be in the lineup for the Roosters. So I think this is all up and up. I think if, if they can pull this coup, get Copley in there, the chooks, and they need that, as long as they can get... Uh, the more, you know, Morris firing on the other side, you know, I'm telling you, Trent Robinson keeps those guys just there, just there. 
just there. And if they can get on a winning streak, and it looks like with Hutchinson in the halves now, with Hollywood Walker, that they might be solidifying. Jared Warrior Hargrave is getting ready to have game 250. JWH. So, you know, I, I think the Roosters are going to be right there again. And if they get hot, the competition better watch out. Because you've got an Eels team that's a little bit shaky. You've got a Panthers team that's got some injury. We don't really know what their future is going to consist of uh, with injuries. The Chooks are right there. And there's some reason that Trent Robinson, to me, is one of the top two coaches in the league. I, I, I've i got Bellyache. I've got, and then I've got a battle between uh, Robbo and, and Sticky. Those are my top three coaches. Not even close. So... It's going to be a very intriguing situation coming down um, the line to see what happens with some of these moves and what they might mean to those two clubs. Now, let's, speaking of moves, let's go on to some of the signings and moves for this last week. And they were kind of efficient. We, I told you last week in the last couple of weeks that, 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 that uh, the master barbecuer, Paul Vaughn, uh, was looking and that the doggies were circling him. Well, it's official. He signed a one-year deal with the Dogs starting in 2022. Elliot Whitehead from the Raiders has signed a three-year extension uh, to stay there with Ricky and the boys. Dale Finucane, this is the big one. Uh, the Storm did not keep him. And Dale Finucane has signed a four-year deal with the Sharks in 2022. Again, changing that clubhouse, having a little bit of finish there. And so I think that's huge that you've got Nico Hines and Finucane coming up there the Sharks are really setting themselves up. They're setting themselves up for something I think that could be a tad bit magical in 2022. Matt Moylan with the Sharks. One-year extension. And like I said, Matty Moylan, hair plugs are looking good. Question is how his legs continue to look. Can he get maybe changing his running style to get those hamstrings to finish a complete season? And then Dane Gagai. Three-year deal with the Knights, leaving Redfern, going up, and going to play for the Knights. And you remember, he had a really good showing with the Knights when he was up there. And that's a coup. They need some strike on the outside, and they definitely need somebody inside the sheds there to be a steadying voice to tell those guys what they need to do and how to do it. So, some huge signings this last week. Um, I'm really interested to see if there are some, is there, if there's more player movement, if, if, if Milford leaves um, the Broncos before the deadline. I think we're going to see some other moves that I don't think they're even talking about right now um, outside, but are mumblings that are happening inside some of these bunkers right now for these clubs and organizations. So, going to be fun to watch, but that is our 40-20 for the week. Let's go into these matches for this week. Let's see if we can beat that 6-for-8 and, and maybe go for an 8-for-8, 7-for-8 for this week. But let's just do the number one thing. Let's get you guys paid. Let's get you paid, Shedheads. So, starting off on Thursday, we got a huge, huge match. We've got the Eels and the Roosters here in a matter of hours. Uh, the match is on TV. I think it's a 4-30 start on Either FS1 or FS2. Uh, I did not shore that up, but I usually get you guys close enough. You can figure it out yourselves. 
Uh, eels and roosters. Eels and roosters. I'm going to say this. I, I, You know me and Robbo. I'm going roosters. I'm going chooks for the win on that one. Friday night, we started off. Warriors and Tigers. Going to go with the Warriors. I'm going to go with them. I think that the emotion of RTS leaving, I think that's going to have something. It's going to have a fire inside the spirit and the soul of the Warriors. And I think they pull the upset and beat the Tigers. Cowboys at Broncos, you've got the Queensland Derby. And no one's been talking about it because both clubs are struggling, right? But I'm going with the Broncos. I'm going with the Broncos because, you know me, I'm a big Gamble fan. But I think for some reason, Kevy's boys are going to find a way, knowing Kevy's going to be talking about what this matchup means, what this head-to-head means, what this rivalry means. And I think he gets his boys up. And I've got the Broncos there. Saturday, Rabbitohs at Dragons. Do I need to talk any, any more about that? Wayne Bennett coming down the end of the season and, 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 the, and, the, and, the, and the Rabbitohs uh, beating clubs down. Rabbitohs all the way there. Raiders at Knights. Again, Sticky's got the boys going. The Green Machine. Are gonna find hell. I think the Green Machine wins this game in second gear, let alone putting it in fifth or overdrive. I got the Raiders over the Knights, Panthers at the Storm. I told you with those type of injuries that the Panthers are gonna have to play the game of the year for them to match the Storm. And if they don't play nasty and mean, like I said, if Jerome Luai does not put this team on his shoulders, if Burton does not kick the best kicking match of his career, that's the only way the Storm lose. Excuse me, the only, yeah, that's the only way the Panthers win and the Storm lose. But I don't think they can put all that together, and I think the Storm want to show that they are the kings of the heap. I think the Storm want to show what they are, and I think they're going to play with a lot of motivation, knowing the bellyache's going to be there next year as well. I've got the Storm winning that. Titans at the Bulldogs. You know, I've got I've got to go with the Titans. I told you they're going to finish in the top eight this year, right? To start the season. And I think that that move to hold back David Fafita is going to pay dividends coming late in the season. you got to go with the Titans in this. I think that they're going to win. I think Holbrook uh, is going to get those boys going. I think that he's got, you know, Toby Sexton now, who he can put in the halves. Uh, I, I just, I think the Titans have that. So I'm taking the Titans. And then Sunday... To finish out the round, Sea Eagles and Sharks. Sea Eagles and Sharks. Let's say that one more time. Sea Eagles and Sharks. And I'm going to go with the boys from the beach. And not the boys from the other beach. I'm going with I'm going with Desi's boys. That's right. Manly, manly, manly all the way on that. I think that loss of Sean Johnson is going to make a big, big time difference. And I think with a healthy Manly side, uh, they are going to win that one. So that is our picks. Let's go over them one more time. We've got the Roosters, the Warriors, the Broncos, the Rabbitohs, the Raiders, the Storm, the Titans, and the Seagulls are my winners for the week. Now, as we go on to the AFL... And we go on to, I almost want to say it, the traveling circus, since the AFL is flying all around the country, uh, flying out after a performance, after a match, getting on the private plane, flying out of town like it's a commando mission at night. Um, 
That being said, we had a match of matches this week. Just as just like we're having it this week in the NRL with the Storm and the Panthers, we had it this last week. We had number one, number two, like I said. It was my match of the round. And as usual, number two handled number one quite convincingly. The Doggies sent the Demons back to hell by 20 points. You like that one? Back to hell? Anyway, um, Bonape- Bonape- excuse me, Marcus Bonapelli, Bruce, Hannon, and Naughton each had two goals. And the Dogs, the Dogs, winning by 20 points. The win catapulted the Bulldogs to the top of the table while the loss... Gut-wrenching as it is, drop the D's to third behind the Cats. And now you kind of start to wonder, and I hate to say this, I'm not trying to add any type of bad juju on top of this, but what I'm saying is the Melbourne Demons have not been a team that have been on top of the ladder before, or not for a very, 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 very long time, right? This team is more used to losing than they are winning until this season. And you kind of wonder... If self-doubt is creeping into the minds of the Melbourne Demons players, that they are not kind of, if they're not somewhat anticipating a fall from grace a little bit, because they've now lost, uh, I think they've only won two for their last six. I think that's the record right now. That's troubling coming into finals football. That's very, very troubling. Because you look at some of the clubs that are used to being there before, right? Geelong has now crept back up into second. And they're eyeing the dogs. What what, what do you expect? Dogs and cats don't like each other. But they're right there. So I I think you really need to watch to see if the Ds can rebound and get hot again and and really know how important it would be for them to get hot to get into uh, the end of the season. Now, we got to celebrate also. Travis Boak. Applause. Cementing his place in power lore by celebrating his 300th game with the club. And I think whenever you see a guy that's played a game as difficult as Australian rules football, when you see him get to play 300 games like that, uh, you know, you, you do what you, I just did. You applaud. You, you applaud and, and you really say great job because... They did do that, and and he's made it through his career. And while it looked like he was starting to, how should I say, a couple seasons ago, that the end was in sight, Travis Boak, you know, he didn't just go out and play his 300th game. He did it in style. He had 30 disposals and seven clearances for the power when they, in their 97-69 victory over Collingwood. I'm saying he's one of the best players on the field in the game. And I know a lot of people say that right now that Boakey is not the captain for the power, but he's the captain of the power, okay? He may not be wearing the number one jersey, but he's the captain of that team because they all feed off of him. He, he leads by example. And when he speaks, everybody listens. So Travis Spoke is going to go down as maybe not maybe the greatest player in Port Adelaide history, but he's showing it by his play. And some people can say late in his career, well, if this is late in his career, uh, wow. I think a lot of players wish it was late in their career. Now, on the other hand in this game, huge, huge news. Scott Pendlebury, 
suffered a hairline fracture in his lower leg that is season ending. So again, an incredible, horrible season for the Collingwood Magpies gets even worse uh, with Pendlebury going down. This is the type of season where you just wish that you could either fast forward the tape or unplug the machine all itself and just get into the offseason. But unfortunately for the Magpies, they still have a few weeks to go before they can go and golf or start their off-season training and vacations. Now, as we talk about injuries, we know every every week there's going to be injuries, but this week was really, really tough because Nat Fife has gone under, undergone season-ending, successful though, but season-ending surgery on his dislocated right shoulder. And, you know, that's gut-wrenching because Nat Fife to me is one of the most gifted players that we've seen. He's a Brownlow medalist. He is just, don't forget, he won his Brownlow on crutches too. He received it wearing, you know, while he was on crutches. He's had a problem staying healthy in that five. And even though he does rock the samurai cut, the guy just, you know, he just can't finish the seasons right now. And, and you just wonder how many more injuries like this before he calls it a career, even though when he's healthy, he's still you know one of the best players in the game, in the competition. Uh, but this loss is going to be a huge, huge, huge blow to Fremantle's chances to make the top eight. And even though they're breaking out their, their retro uniforms this weekend, which you either like them or you don't, um, if you're a down-to-heart, down-home Fremantle fan, you're probably loving this. If you don't really know anything, you only think you're used to seeing them in purple. So it's like, uh, okay. But they got to win and they better start winning because Nat Fife is not going to be there to bail them out. And I think that's going to be huge. And I, I think it really scuttles the chances of the doctors making it into the top eight. Now, let's go with it. I, I, I'm ready. Here's our match of the round in the AFL. Swans. Versus Bombers at the GABA, Saturday, 4.40 a.m. This is going to be a tussle. And it's it has been really affected by the, a, the AFL Tribunal because they did not uphold their decision and they've let Buddy Franklin off the hook. Buddy Franklin will be in the lineup for the Swans and I think that is a huge inclusion for the Bloods. Huge inclusion. And you got to, this game is going to have, there's a major question here. Big one. Do the Swans continue their push to the top four or do the Bombers continue to carve their way into the top eight? Because that's what happens with either one of those victories. Either one of these clubs wins. It is seismic in the effects that it's going to have on the competition. Because the Bombers are right there. They're, they are knocking. They're, not, they're playing pretty good football. And they really want in that top eight. And I think that they're playing well enough that they could get in. But then you have the Bloods, man. The Swannies look special. And if they somehow can find a way to get into that top four, they're going to be a hard out for any club. I'm saying Lance Franklin, Buddy Franklin has not looked this good in years. He looks lean. He looks trim. He looks fit. He looks hungry. So there's a lot of clubs that want to see them lose so they stay outside the top four. But there's quite a few rounds left for the Swans to really put their stamp and get there. So 
intriguing, fun, exciting match. Uh, I think it's going to be some pretty impressive football. Uh, let's just hope these guys stay healthy. Let's hope they continue to give a don't argue to COVID and, and pay attention to the mandates that are coming down from the AFL and from the, uh, the, the governments of you know all the states in Australia so we can continue to march on towards the final. Now, as we go into the guns this week, oh my gosh, did I say it that way? Sorry. The guns. It was tough. It was a tough pick. It was a tough choice. We had some guys that, that, that did some special things, but this is who we settled with. We went with our number one gun, Morgan Harper, for the Seagulls. Three tries, 162 running meters, three line breaks, one line break assist, six tackle breaks, 13 tackles made. I'm telling you, that bouncing hair of Morgan Harper was all over the field. And I got to tell you something, he's another one of those guys. These last few seasons at Manly where players just kind of seem to pop up and just fly in the position and, and continue to just say, hey, I'm right here. Let's take a chance. I'm saying, you know, we were talking about Saab a few weeks ago. You know, these, these guys, he's got some strike there. And that's why a lot of people think that Manly is a dangerous, dangerous team come this final season. My number two gun, Nick Larkey. That's right. Wait a second. Let's take this. This is the first time. This is the first time on Outside the Sheds that we've had a gun that is a Roo. North Melbourne in the house. Nick Larkey, seven goals, one behind. 20 disposals, 12 kicks. Eight marks, one tackle, 303 meters gain, and 90% time on ground. In a ruse victory. Now, I've got to tell you, there hasn't been a lot to celebrate for, excuse me, a lot to celebrate for North Melbourne. But is this the turning? Is this the beginning? Because they got a victory. Is this the beginning of the resurgence and the and the resurrection of the ruse. We'll call it the ruse resurrection. I don't know. But I will tell you something. It's good to see and to say on outside the sheds, the North Melbourne ruse. My number three gun, Toby Sexton, for the Gold Coast Titans. One try, five for five on conversions. One penalty goal, 161 running meters, one line break, two tackle breaks, 20 tackles made, 259 kicking meters. What a great showing for this young man to come into Justin Holbrook's side and to play, I would say, exceed expectation. But I think it's enough that he's going to be in the starting lineup this week as well. So we'll see what happens two weeks in a row. But who cares about this next week? We're talking about the gun for this last week. Toby Sexton, you're my number three gun for the week. Now, man, there are so many ways to go for Outside the Bubbles. We finish off this episode of Outside the Sheds. So much. And I probably could have done an entire show just on some of these topics that I have right here. But the number one topic is Texas and OU fiddling and playing at the heartstrings of the Big 12 
and 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 dangling the SEC in front of them. Now, I think it's disgusting. I hate the move. I think that this move is a money grab. I think this move does more to hurt college football than to help college football. I've had a lot of people tell me in the past that Texas doesn't care about anything but Texas. And I've defended Texas before in the past. I can't defend Texas anymore. Texas is... Texas has won the Big 12 three times in 25 years. Three times in 25 years. But you think that that's enough to push you to be in the strongest conference in college football and in sports. College sports. Oklahoma, you can at least say, has been the dominant team in the Big 12. And that they may want to go to a little bit tougher competition. But I'm going to ask a question right now. Because the reason this is so strange is because college football is pushing to have a 12-team playoff. And if you have a 12-team playoff, the Big 12 will get their conference champion in there, right? You don't have to go to the SEC since, for some reason, everybody in the Southeast thinks that God loves the SEC. I don't know if God really loves the SEC. I just think that you guys don't have anything else to do but play football down there, right? But even with me believing this, it's an incredible conference. But I don't think it becomes easier for Texas or OU to go to the big to the SEC and leave the Big 12 to win conference championships and to play for national championships. I think it makes it diff- more difficult. And I think Texas will be an also-run program from this point forward. And one thing we'll tell you about Texans. Texans love a winner. They also love money, but they love a winner. Right? And if Texas is a middle-of-the-run team in the SEC, they're not going to just lose fans. They're going to lose recruiting. Because A&M is in that conference as well. And right now, you'd have to say A&M is the better program than Texas. So if Texas starts getting their head kicked in in the SEC, you don't think more athletes are going to want to go in the state of Texas to Texas A&M than over Texas? That's one. Two, you've now opened the pipeline for more SEC schools to come into the state of Texas and to take athletes. Especially young kids that are pissed off that the University of Texas didn't look at them. Or teams that want to kick the University of Texas even more because they're the University of Texas. I think they'll also lose out on athletes because if they can keep the Big 12 together, which I think they probably very much can, you go and you get Colorado, you get Boise State, you get BYU, and you put them in the conference. Yes, you don't have Oklahoma. Yes, you don't have Texas. But at the same time, Texas is a lot like the Dallas Cowboys where they want to be that shining star they want to look really pretty. They want to look like that, that that pageant queen. But they haven't put a tiara on for years. They're, they're smoking mirrors. They're smoking mirrors. So yes, you lose the name of the Texas Longhorns. But you bring in three strong schools like, like those three I just said. 
You're going to tell me the conference is going to drop off that much? Because really the only thing the conference is dropping off from is losing Oklahoma. And that just means you're losing the team that's been dominating your conference. What this also does is it lets a lot of other teams feel that they can win the Big 12. And if they can win that conference and get into the college football playoff, you want to kick Texas and OU out of your conference anyway. Yes, the notoriety is a little bit more. Yes, they're a little bit more home, home base. But in the end, the only thing we care about is money, right? And if money comes from you making the playoff, Big 12, you guys will make the playoff. Because I think one of the college, one of the play, one of the champions of the conferences is going to make it to that, to that play, that playoff. So, I think it's a horrible move. I think it's a horrible look. It makes Texas look greedy. It makes Texas look like they don't care about anybody else but Texas. It makes Texas look like they don't care about the state of Texas because they're not trying to keep the state of Texas as strong as possible. By staying in state. But I think this could be a win for the Big 12 as well. So, very fascinating. But don't forget, college sports is not college sports anymore. It is semi-pro ball. Because kids are getting paid now. And when kids who have never taken a snap can make a million dollars in endorsement deals, like the quarterback of Alabama who's never played a down, what's happening in college athletics? I'm all about athletes getting paid some type of money, right? And when you're signing billion-dollar contracts for TV packages, these kids need to get something. But they don't need to be sponsored by gyms like the University of Miami or getting you know straight-up booster money just being said that it's from this organization or company. I'm saying it's just going to be who can buy the best athletes now. And is that really what we want? A, 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 you know, a quote-unquote non-professional organization that are buying athletes. Hell, that's been kind of happening anyway, shedheads, let's be honest. But that is what is going to happen. And I'm kind of done with it. I never thought I would say that. I loved college football as a kid growing up. It was my thing. Hockey and college football, my two things, right, as a kid. Because the great worlds of the AFL. Wait a second, I did love AFL because I got it on PBS television and I remember watching Fitzroy play, right? But I love the two sports, okay? I loved hockey, loved college football. Um, but college football isn't college football anymore. And I, you know, my significant other might be very happy that that uh, I might my Saturdays might be a little bit more free in the near future. Now, the NHL, let's go back to a passion I talked about because big news broke yesterday. Marc-Andre Fleury, the goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights, their first goaltender, their goaltender that led them to a Stanley Cup playoff appearance, excuse me, Stanley Cup final appearance and led them to the playoffs every year since, has been traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. He found out about the trade via Twitter. I don't know how that's possible because I think the Vegas Golden Knights is a great run organization. I think that they have a real finger on the pulse of Vegas, even more so than the Raiders. But if that is true, Marc-Andre Fleury found out via Twitter that he has been traded, that he has been traded for a team that he's bled for like that for four years, that's a shamble, that's a disgrace. 
That's a disgrace. Because even if you're going to trade him, he deserves the honor of bringing in Flower, sitting him down, telling him what Vegas is thinking, and letting him know. So I pray to God that's not true because the guy deserves a lot better than that. But then the big thing is now they're saying Fleury doesn't want to leave Vegas. He wants to raise his family there. I think he wants to continue to work in the organization. I think he could be great for TV coverage. But I don't know. Very, very strange. Um, and the, the, it's going to be fascinating to see if Fleury decides to uproot his family and go to Chicago or if he doesn't. But I think that my buddy even said this. He even said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Fleury retires, which would caught, catch me off guard, but by every means could be a possibility. Now, we want to talk about a team on here we don't talk about enough. The great New Jersey Devils, a team that's very close to my heart. I won't lie to you guys. A team that has put me through, well, let's say it this way. They've put me through hell over the last few seasons. But they've made some huge moves. And today broke that they signed maybe the biggest defenseman free agent in this class this year. Dougie Hamilton away from the Carolina Hurricanes. Signed a six-year deal with, excuse me, seven-year deal with the Devils, I think. Either way, it's a big deal. Uh, New Jersey making moves in the offseason. They've also got Ryan Graves that they signed. So, you know, this might be a reason to smile for as much as College football is ruining sports. Uh, my life might be even better. Better looking at the New Jersey Devils. But great moves for the Devils. You had a lot of money. I'm happy you're spending it on the right places. Finally, tomorrow is the NBA draft. And I love to see teams and organizations that don't, they don't rest on their laurels. They continue to try to make moves. And there's huge rumblings in the NBA right now that the Golden State Warriors are trying to maneuver and are on the phones nonstop right now trying to move up in the NBA draft to get their hands off of Suggs. Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. Now, if they can pull this coup off, if Golden State finds a way, and if I was in the West, I'm finding every way possible to to block this deal from happening. Because if you could add Suggs to that Warriors roster, uh-oh. Let me say that again. Uh-oh. Because Golden State becomes not just relevant, they become dangerous again. Dangerous. You let you let Coach Kerr have Suggs and lets him, you watch out, Golden State by the midpoint of next year, the second half of the season, will come into a straight danger level and they will wreak havoc on the NBA. That is that how, that's how big of a move this could be if they can pull this off. And it will be on my godmother's birthday. So that'll make me even more happy. That being said, I am going to bring this week's episode from outside the sheds to a close. We had a lot to cover this week, Shedheads. A lot of good stuff this week. I hope you kept up with me on this. I hope you wrote down your notes. I hope you're ready. Get some rest. This is a big weekend in sports, period. 
And I didn't even go into the Olympic coverage. I didn't even go into how we just lost to the Japanese team as they wore shorts instead of tight pants and softball. I didn't even go into that. That's how much we can cover over here in Outside the Shed, Shedheads. And you know it. Your Shed Adamas brings it from the beginning to the end. I'm always here. I'm like Mitch from Baywatch sitting up in your tower in my red trunks. No one's drowning on my watch. And I'm pulling everybody to the sand. Love you, Shedheads. But until next week, this has been Outside the Sheds. Go on to my Instagram page. Hit me up. Put just give me a check. Give me a like. Give me a follow. Talk to me about your talk to me to your friends, your family members. Let's build this base. Let's go. But until next week, I am your host, Corey Jackson. You've been listening outside the sheds. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. Until next week. See ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about. 